The Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. Do you hear that, Ern? The Leaky Cauldron. Just go! You're wasting time! Welcome to Pottercast, your number one source for news, theories, discussion and interviews with people from the Potter books and films. I know a small amount myself having written the books. My name is Jakey Rowling. I am now happy to introduce your hosts, Melissa, John and Frank. It's Pottercast! Welcome to Pottercast, the number one po- Harry Potter podcast among Harry Potter podcasts that aren't updated regularly. Incomplete. Yes. <laughs> Unreliable. Of all of the inactive or semi-active Harry Potter podcasts, we are the best, <laughs> and we remain the only one uh, introduced by J.K. Rowling. <laughs> <laughs> we should yes. call her in to have the, her redo it. The number one Harry Potter podcast introduced by J.K. Rowling. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We gotta throw in a little and Zach somewhere <laughs> after the frack. Hey, I'm honored to be on the only Harry Potter podcast introduced by JK Rowling. It's it's a real honor, guys. It's fantastic. In description, guys. <laughs> and the only Harry Potter podcast co hosted by the founder of the very first uh Game of Thrones fan convention. It the first is. one ever. First oh one gosh. ever. You've ever even conceived. It's gonna be awesome. You guys coming? I want to, because it'll be my old town of nashville that i live for a good 11 months is there going to be an open at the close event at the dolly parton uh, world absolutely dolly world dolly land dolly land dollywood i'll go if we can go to dollywood i'll tell you though about open at the close open at the close is coming back to LeakyCon. oh crap this Leaky year Con, yeah. california LeakyCon California, October 19th. We are taking over the Los Angeles Park. Actually, it's like why we went to Los Angeles. I said, well, there's a park. We should do a LeakyCon. So there's going to be a private event at Universal, a Universal Studios Harry Potter Wizarding World private event for all of the convention goers, basically. Yeah, Is this and, what's happening? And here's the great, here's like the really cool thing about that. First of all, Universal, if you have a yearly pass at Universal, it doesn't include, it doesn't include Harry Potter Land or something or, what? or there's like, it's blackout dates so there's something where like even with a year pass you don't get this well there's there's surely blackout dates for all but like the most premium pass for sure so basically a yearly pass is like not it's not like you can go i can go anytime right now you can't also the park in california unlike unlike orlando that closes late the park in california closes at six Mm -hmm. and instead of closing at six this will from six to seven they'll be clearing everybody out and from seven to ten it's gonna be just us just us that's cool and yeah so it's gonna be really special and the rides will be open and there'll be lots of stuff it's it's gonna be great it's gonna be great it's gonna be freaking i don't understand why they close so early that's so dumb i don't understand why they close early either because it's still light in california at that time Mm -hmm. right well Mm -hmm. in the fall it'll get it'll get later it'll get dark earlier but some nights they have it open until you know nine or ten but only on like certain nights of the week and it's not very common but you're going to be doing this right around the time of uh, universal uh, big Halloween horror Halloween nights. Horror oh, nights. Gross. So the park will be closing <laughs> early for that. But you know, those are Thursdays, and the the places will still be the place will still be decorated. I would imagine. Oh, yeah. I don't like Halloween. that. Like, that scares me. I don't like people jumping out and grabbing me. Well, well the Wizarding World's not going to be Halloweened out, but in Japan, their Wizarding World is doing their first ever Halloween event with the Death Eaters and everything. Yeah. And I'm so jealous. And I know. EO'd I know that they're just doing it in Japan. Come on, everybody! Like. 
what makes them like Halloween more than us? They have a lake, isn't too. it? Like, Ooh, maybe they're nonsense. so far away from lawyers. But <laughs> <laughs> no. Death Theaters, you know, it's not like they're throwing Frankenstein out there in a Gryffindor robe. Like, it's Death Theaters. They're on brand. Let's I don't, don't know. I'll see a, a Death Theater frog choir uh, <laughs> maybe performance. Maybe it's a test. Maybe yeah. it's a test so far away from the United States mm-hmm. that. They're going to see if they can start doing it. I hope so. Me too. That'd be pretty cool. So there's a Harry Potter land in Japan? Yeah. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. It actually snows there, Frank. There's real snow. No. Yes. Wait, is this is that the first Harry Potter land in a not warm climate? Perhaps. Not consistently warm climate? Yeah, seriously. California and Florida. Gross. What would happen if they put a Harry Potter land in Scotland? <gasps> I'd move. I would move. Wouldn't Scotland. that be, just be redundant? I would like them to build like a like a Hogwarts resort in Scotland. That's just just the castle and have it be large and have you be able to spend the night. I, I'm waiting for the day that somebody creates an actual, not like one of these hotels that kind of puts red hangings yeah. in one of the rooms and calls mm-hmm. it a Gryffindor common room. No, not like that. <laughs> I want an actual Harry Potter-esque world. Agreed. Oh, that would be awesome. I'd be there. So LeakyCon is coming October 19th to 23rd that in is Los coming. Angeles. It is going to be an event the likes of which we've never done before. There's a full immersive story coming that's going to take you through the weekend. So, you know how we usually do an opening ceremony? It's not just an opening ceremony. It's an opening beginning of the story that goes throughout the weekend all over. Like, it might happen in the marketplace. It might happen on the main stage. It might happen in a comic. Like, there's just the, the story is consistent. And you're, we are, we are in a certain, we're going to all be transported to a certain era of the wizarding wizarding world at that opening. Is it Voldemort's Color me future, please? Well, here, I want to I say something. Leaky Khan's theming mm-hmm. was fully created and scripted before Cursed Child came out. And it's oh, no not going to look it's not going to look that way. It's going to look like we did it based on Cursed Child. Oh, really? So, yeah, no, it's crazy. Is like, there a time we read Cursed Child. I don't know. Yes, that's a yes. Mm. I don't know, but it's going to be fun. It's going to be really like, like this is going to be full on immersive. We have people coming who've done prop modeling. People come on the movies. We have people coming who've worked on the parks. We have people coming who've done the costumes and the makeup on the movies. We have actors coming. Um, we have a couple of more, hopefully, surprises coming for you in the next week. It's just don't miss this. Oh, we'll so be there cool. too. I'm very excited. And we'll be there. <laughs> we shall. So what are we doing with this episode, you guys? What's in the news? Well, there's some newish canon. Yeah. I mean, we got it billed as like some new Harry Potter ebook situations. And, uh, you know, it is JK Rowling writings and uh, commentary and fun stuff that if you are a diehard Pottermore fan and have the patience to click through all the nonsense, you probably read a lot of this. Yeah, but I was a little disappointed with How many of you guys have read all of, because today we, for the, for the show, we were going to read Hogwarts, an incomplete and unreliable guide. And this was the first time that I have read this stuff. It was not the first or 20th time I've read this stuff. <laughs> yeah, I knew, I knew, uh, there's only a few surprises in that one for me. Yeah. There was certainly some cool stuff though. Yeah. I oh, highlighted sure. some stuff. There was some really cool stuff, but like, I don't think the portrait stuff was on Pottermore. If it was, I totally read, missed, didn't read it. It's kind of blurry for me. I'm just going to say it. I, I worked on the launch of Pottermore and some of this stuff was already like in the process. And I can't, I literally, I have no delineating mark in my brain about what I read that wasn't published and what I read that 
was mm-hmm, published. Mm-hmm. So I'm very confused as to when I read what. So it all just feels like a blur. It's understandable. So for the record, Melissa's seen it all before any of you. <laughs> but we are going to go through all of it, or at least no, the majority of what it. What I'm saying, no, here's what here's what I'm saying is that I don't know if it's changed. I don't know if it's new. I don't know if I read it on the live side of Pottermore after I wasn't. After okay. like with everybody. I don't know if yeah. I read it for, like I don't I'm confused is what I'm trying to say is I'm confused. Well, let's 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 give it a let's give it a look through here and um, uh, we can chat about what we thought was pretty cool. So bit by bit here, ebook, Harry Potter edition, the uh, what do they call in this thing? Like the halfway decent guide to Hogwarts, unreliable Hogwarts, an incomplete and unreliable guide. OK, cool. Awesome. I was hoping we would have gotten something about the trolley witch. <laughs> I think we, we got didn't. plenty. Well, <laughs> one thing I noticed right away reading all of these is that it seems to be completely uh, devoid of any mentions of any cursed child, quote unquote, canon, to the point where after reading this, I believe that none of cursed child is canon. Right? Yeah. Can I just I go agree. back for a second? After cursed child came out, it was reminded to me on Twitter that. In the 2005 interview, I asked J.K. Rowling, um, was anybody else there the night of Godric's Hollow? And she immediately said, no comment. And I remember that. Once it was reminded to me, I remember that moment. I said, was anybody there the night of Godric's Hollow? No comment. Like, just like that. Yeah. And I don't know if that means she had the whole Cursed Child story. I mean, obviously not, because they came to her. But what do we think of that? I, I think that like maybe she thought that there could have been like some other character there uh able to witness what was going on but i don't believe that time turners had anything to do with the original plot i feel like she was leaving her options open I, even even just reading this guide and learning about the ghosts and learning about some of the intricacies of hogwarts and the way that time works i feel like not only contradicts a little bit of cursed child directly but also, I just I, oh, I get yeah. the spirit that she was leaving things open, and that might be why she answered the Godric's Hollow thing that way to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe she had like the ghost of 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 an idea about this. Well, mm-hmm. it's an important you know? night. It's the night that that Riddle marks Harry as his equal. You know what I mean? Like makes the decision to make the prophecy come into play. So if there ever was a future between, if 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 anything was to happen with Voldy thing returning and Harry or him and anyone else, don't you think like that would have been like one of those moments that there could have been something else happen? Maybe mm-hmm. she was just playing with it. She also said to me in the in the next interview, in the 2008 interview, so she said, uh, about uh, about Albus Severus. She said he's the one that really, well, interests me most, I think is what she said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what year was that first interview? The first one was 2005. The one about him interesting her the most was in 2007. Okay. I, I would have so a hard thoughts. time swallowing the fact that, like, she had the whole time turner of Harry, of having Harry watch it. Like, that's so... That mm-hmm. in my head, that's so significant that if it did happen in the seven book canon, we would have gotten a hint of it, in my opinion. And so, like, I don't think she was alluding to that. If she was, that's like hella cool. But at the same time, like, no, I highly doubt it. I don't think she was alluding to it directly, but she may have been like playing in our head with ideas around that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
for sure. I think one of the big things for me, I when I was writing notes on this earlier, I just wrote time turners and all caps like six times because this yeah. is something I've been wanting to get here. And I know that this information was available for a long time, but you know, until it's packaged like this and sort of given it to us into a format where we can all kind of enjoy directly without the the maze that Pottermore used to be. It's just, it, it hasn't impacted me like it has today. So today I'm in the middle of my annual reread of the series. I'm on uh, chapter four of book seven. And then today I get to read this and I, I know so much more new about Hogwarts and about the Potter universe. And I'm just a little bit floored because there's <laughs> so much information in here. If you haven't read it before and the stuff with the time turners and the way that she feels about them, you know, when she was writing time turners into the story and it, 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 it like makes me think about cursed child and about how time turner heavy it is and it makes me scratch my head a little bit what do you guys think oh i i completely agree like yeah. that was a that was a reminder to me when she was talking about the time turners like as a like her as a writer she had to she had to close that like loophole because yeah when you introduce that as a, in a storytelling device it becomes really sticky just like simple show like some movies like i was just watching a movie called the way way back and that movie is modern, but there were no cell phones in the film. Hmm. And it made communication so much more hmm. heavier because like when they run off and don't talk to his mom for the night, she's freaking out when it could have just been a simple text like, oh, I'm fine. And so it takes right. tension away. So if, they, they, if that time turner could have been used in any context, you know, it just, it takes the weight, the, the severity away. She did a great job at explaining how like, time magic is dangerous mm-hmm. and even in cursed child they did a good job saying how like oh this was a secret and we were sitting on it blah 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 so like they did their due diligence but i i completely agree with you i i, I noticed that too and i was like yeah it made it made me see cursed child not i didn't on i didn't enjoy it any less but it made me realize that it's more of like a parallel story than a con like than an actual continuation of the seven books in my yeah. head maybe well, like she kept saying, it's not a prequel, it's not a sequel, it's not a prequel, it's not it's not a sequel. And yeah. we should have known, just as she was saying that, that that meant that it was it was a parallel story. It's basically like a sanctioned fan fiction yeah, mm-hmm. at this For point. Sure. It doesn't have to follow all the same rules. It can just be inspired by the canon and go off and do its own thing. But this this thing got released, you know, pretty recently, you know, well beyond the point where she could have revised this section if she wanted to uh, kind of, you know, allow for the leaps that they made regarding the time turners in the play to to be in sync with canon, and they're most definitely not. And just to reiterate what we're talking about, if you haven't read it yet, uh, specifically talking about the limitations um, uh, about how far back you can go in the time turners and how they're limited to a matter of hours and how she gave an interesting example that I had not remembered reading before of the one uh, person that took a time turner back 500 years to like the 1400s and then uh you know while while she was there managed to communicate with enough people that like 25 different uh people in the future never existed because she disrupted the timeline so much and when this person comes back to the present uh she had aged 500 years and was you know completely you know gone at that point and uh and it also somehow managed to change 
the duration of like the the day that she came mm-hmm. back like was actually like something like 48 some hours or whatever like the day was a lot longer and then the following day was only four hours like she this person really messed with space time somehow and just made a total mess of things and uh i i like that the the idea that it would be so restricted but then the only thing that kind of ruins it but not not really is just how completely careless it seems to just give <laughs> this random student yeah. a time timer to take some classes yeah like is it really yeah. so important but like like hermione right. you, you could have taken those two classes over the summer like get over yourself you're well, not that one important. extra class this year one extra class the next year like yeah look at some point it's a story that needs that for you know right. like at some yeah. point it was a fun you plot. just and yeah. I, I, you know, and it would have been we would have been worse off if she did not remove them from the universe in the way that she did. And you know, fine, you know, every single time Turner was at the ministry yeah. when they knocked <laughs> over everything. Well, fine. I mean, you can even argue, like, say, with Hermione getting it, we can. In my head, I can make some headcanon saying, like, you know what, Dumbledore arranged it because Dumbledore is kind of manipulative and weird in that way. Like, mm-hmm. he maybe he wanted to as an experiment. And maybe in the Ministry of Magic, maybe that was the source, like the the fuel for all the time turners. And so when that mm-hmm. was destroyed, all the other ones just became trinkets versus sure. not that that's canon anywhere, but in my head, I can, it's fun for me to try to like make it work. Like maybe this is what happened, mm-hmm. but yeah. I completely agree with you. Like giving a, what, a 12, wait, 13 year old. Like, hey, yeah. yeah, here, go back in time a lot. Like, uh, this okay. seems Just worth it. This around yeah, your neck at all important. times. Yeah. yeah, and then go use it again to save like a, a hippogriff. Because, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, that's fine too. But uh, whatever. Like, it's. Here's, here's a question You can destroy all time turners in one timeline. Sure. But there are time turners. Somebody could have gone into the past and buried one. You know, mm-hmm. yes, yeah. but with with the rules they set up in this one, someone would have to recover them within an like within hours. It's not within like years or months. I guess, yeah. And so, but at the same time, that does tell you like if they have charms that they've limited to an hour increment because that's what they deem safe. There has to be other like yes, a charm that's what I'm hide saying. something. It'd be fun to like you know how like Dumbledore hid this philosopher's stone in the mirror and the mirror was the gateway to get it in the sense that like you had to want it and not you want to use it but the mirror was the device in which to discern that like there has to be a charm in which you can hide something like one second in the past and so it exists there but it's like it's always continually one second in the past and so you can't like get to it yet you know what i mean Oh, that's wild. Well, if it doesn't exist, it's it's a wizard like Dumbledore or Riddle that can do it. Like those are the, those are the thought leaders, you know, that that push the boundaries of that kind of magic. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody had to invent the damn thing. Somebody had to know how it worked and what kind of charms are involved and uh, what to make it out of and all these things. And that's part of what I liked about Cursed Child was the idea that like there were prototypes and there were, you know, d- like somebody actually understood the magic in the present day and was capable of constructing something that could use elements of the same device but 
go back further and you know like that was interesting and like i'm i'm totally fine with that just being you know made up for the play but uh you know do i don't you, know do you know what the what it strikes me as the people who like invent the spells and the rules and the, the things that govern this time magic it strikes me as their versions of computer programmers like yeah. our computer programmers yeah. to these days yeah. with logarithms and stuff those seem to be like the people that invent these spells or you oh, know, yeah, like yeah. colonial days just just of just of the, the 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 formation of systems and since the wizarding world is on a structure that is much smaller in comparison to ours um i guess for in any modern society like that's the only reason why someone like dumbledore can have in su- have such an impact on an already established ministry or that a minister of magic which we learned in this book um can can get given the task of well now we have an international statute of secrecy now we have to completely plan out different ways to travel to this to this school what do we do like they're they're given those problems it's like a it's like a government task sort of you know what i mean but their government yeah. can handle things like time travel like that's part of their issues and they kind of regulate those rules but at the same time it's like i think it's only because there aren't many wizards that come around like grindelwald or like dumbledore or like riddle that have the power to sort of supersede the government mm-hmm. i think that's also kind of like a product of you know modern society and uh you know when things get so efficient and so reliable that most of the population is just used to and depending on the thing being there and not necessarily needing to even understand how it works, you're going to have fewer and fewer people alive that even understand what was involved in the foundation of the thing in the first place. Like there was a time in the not too distant past that uh, most Households had to, you know, create their own clothes. You know, everybody, you know, or at least every, uh, you'd have at least one person in the house that knew how to sew clothing. And they would, uh, you know, these are, these are things that because it's so easy to buy cheap and inexpensive, uh, clothes, you know, fewer and fewer people would know how to do that nowadays. And I don't think that the magic would be much different. And even your programming analogy, yeah. you know, like I, I used to think that the next generation of kids would all be computer geniuses. But what's happened instead is that it's so easy just to pick up a device or when it just it just works for whatever you want it to do. And there's an app for everything. And, you know, there there aren't as many people needing to kind of try to take apart their computer to make it do the thing that they want to do. Like, if anything, like it, there's been like a decline in the amount of people that understand what the hell the device even does just because it's so good at working now and i think uh you know they've solved a lot of the biggest magical problems at this point and you know prior to it there may have been more people on hand that knew how to uh you know mold this society well for one they stopped dueling you know, we learn about Godric Gryffindor's use of the of his own sword and how they used to have to arm themselves among muggles and kind of learn that other craft because wand work was, you know, in, in their current culture, it was not acceptable to do. And obviously, sure. it's, it's like, it would be rude. It's like a total joke, though. Uh, modern time, yeah. uh, the Wizarding World and the, and the books. Well, even right. like with the experiment, like that's what happened to Luna's mom. Like she was experiment using experimental charms. And so it's not it's dangerous, too. It's not always and that's where they have a whole department of mysteries yeah like like we didn't even get to see what was in that oh, love room no we didn't 
Ugh. Guys, I have theories. Now is not the time, but uh, when they when they were talking about <laughs> the love room theory, well, not it's not even a love room theory. It's just uh, I think uh, just a lot of things in this. Like I said, I've gotten a lot of information from this today uh, from the from the Hufflepuff common room, which is a huge deal, to the pensive being possibly buried uh in the ground at the site that was so cool that one was new to me that i love oh well, yeah, that's that pensive i'll tell you what the one thing that really perked me up about that storyline is this idea that all of the previous headmasters have put their memories yes. to it and like the fact that there is a source of all of these stories that is now canon that exists it feels like it's leaving the door open to any other story of previous generations at Hogwarts that she could ever want to release because there's record of it existing in this pensive. Oh, that's true. Like, well, I mean, it's not in the pensive. Well. You would use the pensive to access, observe it. them, correct? Like, the pensive is like the computer and the memories are files. Sure. Yeah. And, and I would imagine somewhere nearby is all of those old memories oh yeah i, mean, I was I, just i was just asking for clarification provided they don't like, go bad i don't know if they expire or something but there was one that went oh no that was slughorn because he altered his memory that's when it started to turn gelatinous yeah, <laughs> yeah. theories yeah. uh all inspired by just reading this and about why they put the Min- uh, ministry of magic there in the first place and she specifically made a point to talk about the ghosts and how ghosts produced blue flame or at least through ghosts or with the proximity of ghosts that the flames appeared blue. And it's such an important oh, motif yeah. inside of the entire yeah. Department of Mysteries. And inside of the Department of Mysteries is the archway to what we can discern. And obviously, like just as friends, you we've all talked about the 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 veil over and over. And so that's kind of a tired point. But when you think about she was talking about King's Cross and then she was talking about how ghosts, when they make a decision to move on or not to move on to, and she called it the next dimension. And that's sort of like her mm-hmm. own unofficial way or official way, because this is canon. She's saying that this is canon, at least that in her world that she's creating, they have a next dimension that they can either stay or go to. And then she talks about the ghosts and she talks about how, in their proximity, the flame is blue, and I'm thinking of well, a place with the they have a, a, a gateway to the next dimension that you can just walk through rather than, than dying. And all of the flame mm-hmm. there is blue. It's just hmm, mysterious to me. Yeah. How do you mean that all the flame there is blue? You remember when they walk into the circular room before the the rooms rotate? Uh, all the candles have yeah. that the blue flame. Yeah. What if there's like? Do you think that that's related? Like that there's? I kind of think it was just because it was mysterious looking. <laughs> yeah, but it's it is kind of fun. I didn't make the connection until you, you were bringing it up, Zach, about the, you know, like, I'm assuming when it co- when it talks about a ghost interacting with flame, it's like if a ghost sticks his hand in flame. Like a lens. Blue. Or, you, or, they, or if you see through it, maybe, like it's blue. Or, I, I don't know. Yeah, po- I mean, yeah. possibly. But the gr- ghosts are white. Right. You know what I mean? So, like, like they're silvery, whatever. Um, but, yeah, but, like, that is kind of cool about, like, outside the room where, like, death, the gateway, like, maybe. Because they, they built the ministry around the death portal. And so that's what it feels like. Yeah. Well, that's what she said, right? Is that not canon? I'm not sure about that. It would make a lot of sense. I thought that was canon somewhere. Did this specify if the, if you being near a ghost or having a ghost pass through you 
actually made you cold or gave you like the the feeling of being cold oh i'm pretty sure oh that's interesting i don't think there's a distinction because like could could a ghost theoretically kill somebody if they just you know like if somebody was trapped in a room that was small enough that a ghost could encompass their entire person could they lower their body temperature to the point where they have like hypothermia or is are we just talking about like oh i feel like the 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 chills you know right. like that weird feeling you get sometime like like no, which I one think is there's it? one instance in the series where somebody says it's like it's like being plunged into a freezer or something when somebody goes through. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean like but that's that's a good distinction. Is it physically yeah. lowering their temperature for a brief moment or is it just it feels like it's cold? Yeah, cuz you could use a ghost as like a means of, you know, freezing, you know, food. <laughs> no, you just know, you people. could make him be like like a fridge. That would be a, Yeah, you I mean, get a ghost a to sit life. still and freeze your food. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if you had a very like like well behaved ghost, you know, you could break all sorts of rules about uh, energy and and everything else. Like, which is counterintuitive though, because they would want the food to rot so they could at least kind of halfway yeah. smell it. <laughs> That's true. I was surprised that that wasn't mentioned. Not to derail at all, but I think I'm just kind of like flipping back through the part of this that we're supposed to be talking about today, and I think I just found proof that. Well, here, here's the line. I had yeah. Hermione give back the only time turner to ev- ever to enter Hogwarts. It's not the only time turner ever to enter a Hogwarts. It's just the only one ever to enter Hogwarts by the time by that year. But technically, well, I guess they didn't go back. They went back to the fourth year, not the third year. So maybe not. And even that's even crazier about like, okay, let's bring the first one into Hogwarts for Hermione Granger. Like, yeah, no, that's, that's what weird. did she even <laughs> done to deserve that at that point? Um. Have you seen Emma Watson? She's gorgeous. And I love Hermione. I mean, <laughs> I'm glad that they did it. That's some serious confidence in one of their Muggle-born students. But at the same time, it's like, man. Oh, yeah. Nah. It's a Muggle- Prisoner of Azkaban is like my, it's like my second favorite in the entire Me series. Me too. It might be my but, favorite. What's your yeah. first Close. favorite? Deathly Hallows. I think Deathly Hallows is a masterpiece. Oh, it is. I honestly don't consider that one. Like when I when I ask people what their mm. favorite book of series, like, yeah. I almost like it can't be considered because it honestly like it's an achievement that she tied yep. that all. Like, it's ridiculous. Yep. I agree. That, um, that it's about all the big things. God, what are we even talking about? We just, we're just, we're just ranting. We're, we're all just, over the we're place. Just, we're just fanboying. Who cares? It's been a while. Let's talk about the things. Can I, can I just, for everyone that's listening, just experience out loud the, the Hufflepuff common room and how cool oh, it yeah, is? Oh, yeah. Let's talk about that. That's so cool. Yeah. This is all from memory, but it's on the same hallway as the kitchens so don't tickle the pair keep walking on your right you'll see in a recess in the wall just uh, barrels haphazardly stacked and if you tap the right rhythm which i'm assuming it's with your wand and i think the rhythm is you guys correct me helga it's helga it opens something like that <laughs> so cool i mean talk about the most like pathetic <laughs> comparison <laughs> when you think about like those raven claws are like doing riddles every time like 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 the hufflepuffs have to just memorize a rhythm like well slytherin's uh, passwords we've only seen like racist slytherin passwords so hopefully slytherin passwords aren't also well I, like there's this know. she talks about the, the complexity or otherwise uh, entrance to the common rooms might be said to give a very rough idea mm-hmm. of the intellectual representation of each household. Hufflepuff has an unchanging portal that requires a rhythmic tapping. Slytherin and Gryffindor have doorways that challenge the would-be entrant about 
uh, equality, and the former having uh, almost impenetrable what? Oh, equally, sorry. Sometimes it is. <laughs> Different things. <laughs> Different house. The former having an almost immortal hidden entrance and a varying password. The latter having a capricious guardian frequently changing the password. In keeping with the reputation of the house of the most agile minds, Hogwarts door has the Raven Pokemon room with the, you know, the riddles or whatever. But I just like that, how she said, um, an unchanging portal that requires rhythmic tapping. Like, it's so, it's like... so cool. It's just a beautiful way of putting it because I used to want, and I guess this kind of aligns with what I wanted. Like I always <clears throat> wanted, um, the Hufflepuff, um, common room not to have a password. And like, so like all houses would <laughs> kind of hang out in there because they, they all knew where it was. And they, if they wanted to, they can hang out with their Hufflepuffs, which, you know, I guess it's a, just a, a tapping. So it's not as aggressively hidden as the others. Well, I mean, what's ridiculous is that. Like, it's the most insecure form of security in the school <laughs> because you can't even change the damn thing. Yeah. If, like, Malfoy and his goons learned the rhythm, what's keeping them out after that point? Nothing is. I think Hufflepuff has just accepted just that nobody people cares. can get in there. Yeah, yeah they're like, whatever. We keep our doors unlocked. You can take our stuff. It's but at the fine. same time, like, it's Hogwarts. But at the same time, how hard is it? Okay, Ravenclaw might be hard. How hard is it to get a password from Slytherin or Gryffindor? Really not that hard. But you can always change it at that point. And, and you're right. Ravenclaw is the highest secured you know but at the same time not at all because if some evil wizard goes up there and answers the riddle it's going to open the door exactly the portrait protected the none of them are particularly secure yeah but if you're smart enough to enter ravenclaw you're smart enough to socially engineer your way to get a password from some half-wit gryffindor no but i'm saying like with sirius black if sirius black wanted to get into the ravenclaw common room he would have got into it a lot sooner than it took him to get into the Gryffindor common room. He yeah. had a fine so list he... of passwords. Thanks like, for the And chance. he got pissed on it and he like shredded up her portrait and she was all mad about she that. She was so mad. Anyone with enough will is going to get into any one of these common rooms and I think they just kind of know it. Yeah. Well, and I just yeah. like, I'm saying is like, it, it balances out. Because like, sure, Gryffindor, uh, Ravenclaw might just be the hardest difficulty to get in, but at the same time, the only reason like Sirius got into the other one is because Circa Duggan let him in because he had the password. Like, the fat right. lady would not have let him in, even if with the password. She would have known better. That's part of being a capricious guard. It, yes. Very true. <laughs> but, but from, I mean, just from this this story, from this book, it all makes sense because she reiterates, and we knew this, but the, the, the houses were built specifically by the founders themselves. And they had mm. such a hand crafting the entire experience from the hangout to the way to get in. And I think that's just part of the overall culture of their house. And they obviously cared about it a whole lot. And it looks like Helga, Helga Hufflepuff just wanted this to be a chill spot because she talks about, or, you know, the, the common room and it talks about it's like sort of bright, uh, honeywood colored tables and how their windows are just at the ground floor of Hogwarts. And you go up at kind of a, almost like a badger passage as you walk in. And it just seemed like a really welcoming, home, homely, hearty place. They have patchwork quilts on their same, uh, floor level doors to their dormitories it just sounded really pleasant you know it's a hobbit hole it's lovely yeah kind of like a hobbit hole and <laughs> i say this hole. is a lifelong gryffindor i'm i'm very romantic i just love the gryffindor the uh, the hufflepuff common rooms it's so cool part of the hufflepuff virtue is that they're kind of like yeah come in come in Everybody yeah exactly come in. let's have some cakes <laughs> yeah. and then even even if yeah like you said if, if if someone wanted to get in they would i doubt malfoy would ever even want to set foot in that common room no one yeah, kind of like 
you know, she said in the book how she realized that Harry probably would never get into the Hufflepuff common room. Like, I wonder of what context it probably would have happened in, if it was going to happen, probably book four with Cedric. Maybe that's, maybe she switched to the prefix bathroom because she needed Myrtle to be in there. You mean Wanda? Huh? Yeah. Wailing Wanda. <laughs> yeah. Wailing Wanda. Oh. <laughs> Wailing Wanda. I think she went with the right one. I love the conceit that it's based on the pre- always presence of a crying girl in communal bathrooms in every school. <laughs> I cannot tell you how true. <laughs> See, I, I found that funny, but then I'm like, am I allowed to laugh at that? Is that sexist? It's just, it's a thing that happens when you are young in school. It's just a thing. Also, her vengeance upon men by sticking Harry, uh, Ron, and and then Malfoy in, in book six in her vicinity. <laughs> like she's like, I'm going to make them deal with it too. Poor Wanda. <laughs> Speaking of the bathroom, I thought it was cool all the extra detail we got about uh, the Chamber of Secrets. <laughs> well, I just like the the um, the mention of why they like eventually introduced plumbing because before <laughs> wizards would just go to the bathroom wherever they wanted and they vanish the like the I evidence know. i mean where would they do it though i would right. hope they would at least go out of sight and then, like they just sit there in class yeah. and just take a crap and then just yeah. let it That's go well, i guess I they could just mess themselves and just you know vanish it yeah like if you're gonna yeah, do that that's... just vanish it out of your body that's like... dangerous you don't want to move your colon <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, who knows how the hell the spell's meant to work? I'm just being difficult. Well, it's 18th century, so it's the 1700s, right? So you would think that they went someplace. <laughs> well, I mean, imagine it would be a chamber pot. Yeah. It'd be a chamber pot, and then instead of like tossing out the window, they just vanish. And so, like, but, but here's the this line: is important. They hitherto they simply simply relieved themselves wherever they stood and vanished the evidence. Don't you yeah, think that like that would horse. also come with certain problems? She wrote that down for a reason. I need to know why. Oh, it's because she's amazing, Frankie. I think that that is your drawing challenge of the week <laughs> i'm i'm good you're good come on you have to do it as a service to the fandom well, was that part of potty we training can't visualize you know it. like you have to teach your kids how to vanish their own oh, oh right yeah, i guess they couldn't only, they don't have- wait zach you're right does that mean all wizards were only like potty trained in the 18th century at age 11 or 17 like they didn't even have chamber pots they what just about where babies they and kids like what about your 10 year old who doesn't like, have a wand what is he gonna do well it's a baby like i'm not talking about it. No, 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 no. <laughs> surely there's like a clean your ass spell too guys it's not dependent on hogwarts but if before that they were all just going wherever they stood that means all of them everywhere not just yeah. at hogwarts yeah damn Good that's Lord. terrible that's well, terrible that's i imagine terrifying. they would use um they would like there had to be some who were using, like, on a case-to-case basis, like, lived in a house that had plumbing, or they lived in an area that did it. Like, they would obviously do it. Clark, I guess. Oh gosh, what is he doing? And now, and now it's like, well, I guess we need bathrooms. Like, <laughs> No, I always <laughs> wondered so why Salazar Slytherin hid his chamber in a bathroom, a girl's bathroom and oh, everything. But now I'm like, I figured oh, it predated. It probably, I, I never, it I, it never crossed my mind that the, the, the castle was built before bathrooms were a thing. It sure was. Yeah, it was just like a different room or whatever. Yeah, I just thought it was like a chamber pot at least. Like something. A chamber pot of secrets. <laughs> right this way. The the chamber pot of what is it called? Azerbaijan. Azerbaijan. Yeah. Yeah, Azerbaijan. <laughs> Let me wow, show. that was a flash <laughs> What's the matter, Harry? <laughs> What's the matter, Harry? Let's talk about the sorting hats. The sorting hat. We got to talk more about hat stalls. And uh, I liked the talking about all of the other ways that she considered doing the sorting. Like, I had read that including already. Having like the founders somehow like 
I don't, I don't, I couldn't visualize what she meant, but like have the founders sort them well, somehow. Well, she meant like, about statues, which I think is something that she readopted for the American school, yeah. Evermoni, because she did the statues. They don't come to life. They just right. kind of signal. Right. Mm. But like, one thing that did confuse me, and Melissa, you might know this, is um, mm. I need to go back on Pottermore, maybe you look this up, but on Pottermore, when they were talking about hat stalls, she gave the example of both Flitwick and McGonagall being a hat stall, and Flitwick was, mm-hmm. and they were both Ravenclaw Gryffindor hat stalls. Um, mm-hmm. But in this book, she says the only two hat stalls were Peter Pettigrew, which was new information that I don't remember, and then Minerva McGonagall. And so, like, I really, I'm kind of well, sad. Again, yeah. Because I really love the is notion. Where I'm confused because I thought. I have that memory too, and now I'm confused. Yeah, same. I think it's appended or something because I really, really loved the notion that Flitwick, because they were Flitwick and McGonagall were my two favorite teachers, and I loved that they were like mirror. They were married in each other in the sense that one could have been a Gryffindor easily, and one could have been a Ravenclaw easily. You know what, Frankie? This is such a great, great catch because it's the only time she's ever addressed the idea that why was Peter Pettigrew a Slither? Uh, I mean, a Gryffindor. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, that was especially when Hagrid, you know, says it wasn't. A, well, I guess at that point he didn't know that it was Peter Pettigrew, but still, like, it's the only time she's done that. And you're right, she. This used to be Flitwick. This used to be that Flitwick was a hat stall, and they joked with each other. And has that changed on Pottermore? I don't know. This, See, that's why. Uh, like, well, it's still in the Harry Potter entry here for Flitwick. It says. During the sorting, the hats wavered between Puddingham and Ravenclaw or Gryffindor. Ultimately, chose the former as the as the as the decision took less than five minutes. It proved that he was not a true hat stall. Oh, hmm. maybe they changed it. Are we sure that that's what it always said? I'm pretty sure they changed it because it would like it was in my memory. There's nothing there about the him joking with McGonagall. Well, there's nothing about Flitwick anymore. On that headstall page in Pottermore, huh. mm. it's gone, and it's used as as the source for the Flitwick article here on Wikipedia. That's interesting. So they changed it for because, sure. I mean, what they said with Hermione and Neville has always been the case. Like they came the closest to being hat stalls because of Hermione almost being a true hat stall, and then Neville just not shutting up and just arguing with the hat. Um, but Peter Pettigrew, was he an actual hat stall? He was. I don't know. I don't know, guys. I think, I think, I think we're misremembering. I do think that Pettigrew was there in the beginning, but there's definitely a Flitwick. Yeah. A Flitwick something. You know me. I love this sorting nonsense and the hat stall stuff was a brand new information we got. Um, and Pottermore came out back in 2010. Was it 2011? 2011. 2011. So that was brand new information about the sorting hat. And so I devoured that. And I think I would have remembered Peter Pettigrew being a hat saw because I always kind of liked the notion that Pettigrew was a Gryffindor, but he went bad because we don't see very many of those. Like we've seen mm. Slytherin's going bad. Like, yeah, it's old hat, whatever. And then like Hufflepuff is the, like the rarest, which I really love about that house. And then. Uh, I guess we've only seen Lockhart, who was kind of a jerk, but you can argue he wasn't evil, but then he did he was going to kill children. So, that's pretty cool. <laughs> so well, yeah, it was in the McGonagall entry about Flitwick. Yeah, mm. that's, when, that's when we learned about her marriage and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. 
Yeah, Minerva drew unusual attention when she was a hat stall, and then later years of circumstance was gentle humor between her and Flitwick. So it wasn't that he was a hat stall, it was that the it 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 considered Ravenclaw and Gryffindor for them both, and they reached opposite conclusions. So he was almost a hat stall. Mm, okay. Peter Pettigrew being a hat stall is new information for me. I totally forgot that if it was there. It probably was there, but I totally yeah, forgot. Yeah, I think it was now now that I look now that I look at the page, I yeah, I think it was. Interesting, but I love Curious. the sorting hat so much. I love the sorting hat so much. I, I just thought it was so cool how she came to the sorting hat, and it was like she was talking about like drawing straws, or maybe there's a team captain, and we have these animated statues. She was like, "Oh, they could draw names out of a hat. Hmm, names out of a hat. Hmm, names out of a hat. The sorting hat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like it. It's so genius. Yeah, it so cool. What do we think of the little like? Non J.K. Rowling written portions, a little like Pottermore, whatever. What do you mean? All the little paragraphs like, in between. The little paragraphs, the little like Pottermore person writing, the little connective tissue. I mean, useful, I guess. Ties uh-huh. it together. Maybe we don't care. Nothing new in there, though. Just kind of. A it was hold. just a vehicle between, and like I could have done without them. It was just they were short enough that my brain was like, I'll read this, versus like a whole little diatribe and stuff that like I like when it said by J.K. Rowling, like yay. <laughs> So, yeah, the pensive that may have been there before Hogwarts was even built. No big deal. Yeah, the Hogwarts pensive, it's, um, it's, uh, legend says the founders discovered the pensive half buried in the ground on the very spot where they decided to erect their school. What do you think that's about? I that's incredible. That's so cool. I think Sir Cadogan's <laughs> I want to know what the story is because, there. Because, like, we think about the founders being, like, the beginning of all of this, but, like, to, to think that, that there was, you know, something before... And of course, yeah. you know, why wouldn't there be, you know, they had to have learned s- somehow somebody. So do you think magic drew them to that spot? Because the pensive is an incredibly fantastic object, but they do say that, th- that it's like buried with a witch or wizard. So maybe there was some sort of burial ground there. I don't know. Well, this, the sex of mm-hmm. the side made me think that it's a kind of like archaic, nomadic, more crude magic that has not been refined and definitely wouldn't have a place like in a in a organized ministry of magic kind of like if we look at magic as a parallel of like our technology you know like it was just the crudest form of how they make fire how they x and y and uh it's maybe something that the founders just discovered then or that they had heard about or read about and maybe they hadn't had an actual pensive until that moment but i i can see uh the saxon people you know gathering around a fire you know and and treating this as like some kind of a ritual amid like ceremonies where maybe they all can look into a memory or see something from the past or a great battle or great victory mm. stuff like that i don't know oh that's interesting yeah wizards like that. Course, interesting. not muggles i like this notion that um the one at hogwarts contains a library of information from every headmaster of yeah. the school that's crazy. how cool and that makes sense because there was one with the memory with Dippet, yeah with armando Dippet, as opposed to dumbledore mm-hmm. whoa like how how cool is that that's a really good um really good grab there melissa because we have the perspective of well though because that was from the first that was from tom's diary oh you're right it was from tom's diary that's not from the pensive yeah. so we yeah. didn't we did not see other headmasters do you d- hmm, hmm. Couldn't it have given them some valuable information during? Yeah, maybe. I mean, it would need to be cataloged somehow. Because, like, how would you know what one to pour in there? Like, there would need to be somebody would have had to go through all of them and to make like an index. I think it, it holds up, like, in the context of book six at least, because Dumbledore was the only one that really had uh, 
Tom Riddle's card. You know what I mean? Like he's the only one that really knew. And so that's how he knew that he, and he didn't even know what he needed to know from uh, Slughorn. He just wanted to confirm his suspicion with Slughorn's memory. Mm -hmm. And so like, even if he'd had Dippet's, like Dippet's perception and memory of him wouldn't have told Dumbledore anything else than the fact that he was putting on the facade and playing the game. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So like you can't, can't dig into something any more intimate. So like he needed someone who was closer to him so he can get information from him. So like maybe like that's a good reason as to why like I think maybe it wouldn't have, we wouldn't have seen other how like and it's just the headmasters. It can't be all the professors. I'm just thinking out loud here. Sorry. Yeah, just the headmasters. But it goes back to John's point earlier that the pensive being the vessel, like it, it, you need to have the thing to put inside of it. So if if this yeah. part of the legend is true, then there's a, a stockpile of of key memories somewhere about the the history of Hogwarts. Oh, I'm yeah. sure there. It's all in the head. Like it's all in that one of the cabinets in the headmaster's office. It was just one of those charms that Hermione put on the bag, whatever it's called, the, uh, the protein charm. Oh, that would be so cool. Like. I mean, there. Ha- I mean, if we're talking about like some fancy witches and wizards who are like headmasters of the school, like just a cavern. there has to be so much more <laughs> in that headmaster office, like that we we didn't yeah. get to see. Like, I'm sure. I mean, I, like, we're in Dumbledore's sleep. He probably in slept in some vault. drawer that was an immaculate room. <laughs> Has anyone ever asked Joe where he probably slept? Probably the headmaster's well, office. She's recording the next special. intro for the show. You guys can ask her. Just slip that in there. Yeah, we yeah, don't know. He sleeps at the bottom of the lake by the portal the to lake. wherever else it it leads. <laughs> the answer is Dumbledore doesn't sleep. Hello. Oh. Okay, for portraits, which I really, really liked. I highlighted this in my ebook. Mm-hmm. The degree to which they can interact with people looking at them depends not on the skill of the painter, but on the power of the witch or wizard painted. I really, really like that notion. Yeah, me too. You could, you have to imagine that Dumbledore's is pretty awesome. Exactly. <laughs> he spent a lot of time talking to his portrait in a closet. Yeah, like the whole ready. thing, like, you know, like they might talk to them and kind of like coach them. Like Dumbledore, of course he did. <laughs> of course he did. Right. <laughs> I bet they had the best conversations, just the best. Also, he had a year, <laughs> mm-hmm. not to mention that he knew he was going to die just in general, but he had a year yeah, of knowing true. that he was going. God, that's mm-hmm. very true. That portrait knows that's all. That's the best portrait there is. Yeah. Yeah, I still wish we understood. I, I, I'm curious when it comes to like you know multiple portraits and how a portrait only can exist in one location at a time. Like, is it do you do five paintings and then all of a sudden you activate them and they all like shimmer and then they're into one or they just like or are they connected? Yeah, like is it one canvas that cut into five pieces? Like, that's a um, really great question. Like, I was hoping we'd get into that a little bit because I love how like. What's his face could go through Grimwald Place and the ho- the headmaster's office. Yeah, and then the the, the ministry, the one at the Ministry of Magic yeah. too. Like so cool, wizarding cell phones. That's a good question. As far as like, is it a charm that's placed? Not that it has much to do with the overall story, but like now that we're already learning how exactly they're made, it's like, well, well, tell us how exactly they get so many, and what does it mean. And and what dictates, yeah. and that's one of the best things. Cause when I was growing up, Sir Cadogan was just like this ridiculous character in my mind. I thought it uh-huh. was just, I just heard putting him in there and just be like, you knaves, like a quest, just like in the middle of this book, this, this, this epic, ridiculous character. He brought me so much joy. And then today I get to read yeah. about his history and learn that he was a knight of the round table, allegedly. <laughs> he was friends with Merlin, <laughs> allegedly. His one 
uh, trait that she puts into the book is insane bravery. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I love that. Insane bravery. <laughs> 17 no children rumored to him, allegedly. Allegedly 17 children. But he, you know, <laughs> he got painted, so he did something right. Yeah. yeah. And then the that's whole, true. like, what was that expression that they use? I'll take the... It's like Kaduggan's horse. Yeah, his pony. Um, elderly witch and wizard. Um, I'll take Kaduggan's pony. <laughs> <laughs> to mean, I'll savage the best. <laughs> I re- I'm really going to try to remember to use that just because I would be the best nerd ever. Yeah, no, that's pretty impressive if you can pull that off. <laughs> well, I love the seeing the portraits at the Wizarding World. Like getting to see the four founders like talk to each other is probably my favorite thing about that whole Harry Potter theme park. I love it so much. I was not sure about how this would go. And then I got like 10 pages into it and I was like, this stuff is great. This is so good. Yeah. It flew oh, by. yeah. I mean, I just love expedition. So I was like, yay. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> the Sword of Gryffindor. And eh, we talked about that in the past. Mirror Vera said, Did we talk about that. I totally forgot the fact that it was destroyed in the room of requirement. Everything so was, sad. man. <laughs> no. Yeah. yeah everything. I don't like that. Like, could nothing have survived that? Like, come on. I know. That was just a, a, a reset button. Why would the room have manifested? Like, like, why did it need to have all of its contents in that room when, you know, Harry went looking for the thing? Like, what an awful thing to require. Like, I require everything in here. I think like, we've discussed terrible. this on the podcast in the past. So maybe I'll get Zach's opinion on it. In your head, mm-hmm. in your head canon, whatever. Um, is the room of requirement gone or is the room of lost things gone? It's, it's only the, the room of lost things. Fiendfire destroyed the objects, but I don't think that it's powerful enough to destroy the room itself. See, I don't know because it, it, they talk yeah. about how like if it's strong enough to destroy a Horcrux, which is meant to survive, it has to be strong enough to take down other magic. Like, yeah, I think me, it's the room though. Yeah. I, I think, think, I the, think room the room requirement is like calling up this room that exists elsewhere in the universe like it's different it's not like it was the room of requirement with everybody's like hangings and stuff hanging there like when it was actually acting as the room of requirement it was a whole different room oh so in your head it's like you're more along the lines of like zach was saying that that form of the room is gone that's what i I see in my head like i this is gonna sound horrible but i don't mean it in a mean way just like how Fred was a casualty of the war and how that sucked, but it was good that he died because if they all survived, it would have been a little like, eh. like I'm glad, like as a storyteller, I'm glad a Weasley died because it makes sense, but it sucked, but it was good writing. And in my head, I liked the idea, even though I did, like, if I was at Hogwarts, I obviously would want that room to be there. But like, I like the idea that the room of requirement was a casualty of the battle of Hogwarts. Like that's that's gone now. Yeah, and like that seems kind of beautiful. It does, and kind yeah. of tragic at the same time. And so, like, I like that as a concept. I'm more than willing and be more than happy if J.K. Rowling comes out and says, like, no, it was just this or just the things burned away, not the room itself. It was just what the room was holding, and I would totally buy it. But in my head, I really like the notion that like this tragic, th- like the castle, the castle like suffered as well something yeah yeah and like maybe the maybe dumbledore no not dumbledore oh god well he's dead mcgonagall could have helped bring it back but i don't see her as the type to be able to do that she's smart but i don't think she's abstract like that it's really hard to say but she didn't touch it on it at all in this uh, i know 
which I was kind no. of disappointed yeah. about. We don't know enough we don't. about the room. And that's what's just fun to kind of talk about. In my head, it's like this tragic loss that the school suffered. Well, are there any fun conventions coming up, Melissa? Because like, it would be fun to do this in person. Well, LeakyCon. Podcast will be at the LeakyCon in LA, October 19th to 23rd. LeakyCon.com. Hey, yo. Yeah, hey. and it's like old school, old school, old school. So we're going to be talking about lots of great stuff. I'm planning on bringing one of our remaining time turners to the park event so we can experience a much longer evening of celebrations, even after it closes. Man, three extra hours, just us. The rides open, the shops open. It's amazing. You can't, this doesn't, it's not possible elsewhere. During LeakyCon, it can't be beep. Yeah. So wait, what day, what night of the week is it going to be on? Thursday, Friday? Wednesday. Wednesday. It's a Wednesday. Okay. And then Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday is the event. Oh, dang. Yeah. It's a good old-fashioned long leaky count. These park events are always, like, super special. And if it's not if it's not available for sale yet, it will be at leakycon.com. These tickets tend to go really fast, so make sure you get some of those. And, yeah. Well, thanks for twitting those dials, everybody. We'll be back uh, next month with another... Uh, I'll, I don't know when we'll be back, but we'll be back soon. Soon. To I'm drawing a wizard pooping right now. Harry stuffs. <laughs> We've missed it. W3. I confess myself disappointed. Now, if you don't mind, I'm going to bed. Great, Scott. No wonder. Look at the time. We've been here nearly four hours. Spooky how the time flies when one's having fun. <laughs>